Good morning. Welcome to worship at Northminster on this beautiful, albeit hot, Trinity Sunday morning. Whether you're here in person in our sanctuary or viewing this service over our YouTube channel, we're just so glad that you're with us today. And if you're visiting with us, we offer you a special welcome and hope that you'll feel free to participate in all aspects of our worship service. That includes communion. And for all of us, as I say every week, and this is something that Welton used to tell us all the time, that our first gift of God to, in this service is the gift of our presence here. And so to acknowledge your presence, and if you're comfortable doing so, if you would get the uh, attendance register that you'll find there in the hymn book holders on the inside aisle and complete that, we would appreciate that. This afternoon at 5 o'clock here in our sanctuary, we're in store for a special treat. Our own choral scholar, James Wright, you know, the one back there with the beautiful bass voice, and Leslie Hobgood, who are both students at the School of Music at ULM, will present a concert here. They've both been accepted to further study this summer in some prestigious venues away from ULM, and this concert will hopefully raise a little spending money for them. Isn't that right, James? Uh, <laughs> the concert's free, but of course, since we're trying to raise a little money for them, donations are encouraged. So please plan to be here this afternoon at five to help support these two talented young people. You will notice this morning, there are five tenors in our choir. <laughs> Let me tell you, any choir anywhere would be happy to have five tenors. And, you know, over the years, a few times, there have been times when I was the only tenor. So, it, it, you know, I'm really thankful that we have five tenors this morning. And we're thankful, as we mentioned last week, that several of the folks who are at ULM this summer, or this June, actually working on their Master of Music Education. Did I get that right, Dad? Uh, are with us, and there are three today, uh, and that's Aaron and Dylan. Dylan's new today. Aaron was here last week singing tenor. Thank you, guys. And also uh, Larry Scott, who, is, who sings bass. So thank you for participating with us uh, for June. And please remember that our mission trunk emphasis this month is the Ronald McDonald House. You'll find more information about its needs in the insert in the order of worship. So please help fill our mission trunk for this worthy cause. And thanks to those of you who have already uh, helped uh, fill the trunk. We're thankful to Marilyn Decker for the beautiful floral arrangement on the communion table this morning. Marilyn, thank you as always. And after the service, as always, please feel free to come up and take some of the flowers to brighten yours or someone else's week. And as always, please review the announcements in the, our opportunities in the order of worship or the insert in the order of worship or check out our newsletter. Now let us worship God together. I guess that was my entrance music. Would you share the call to worship with me this morning? For God so loved the world, 
For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world.
reading from 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Examine yourselves to see whether you are living in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. I hope you will find out that we have not failed, but we pray to God that you may not do anything wrong, not that we may appear to have met the test, but that you may do what is right, though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. Words to stir our minds. Thanks be to God. We're going to do the pastoral prayer a little differently today, and I think you'll enjoy getting to know a writer that writes so very well, words that could have been written yesterday. You know, there's a phrase we say and have heard so many times when someone has a loss in their family or there's trouble. We often say, you, well, you will be in my thoughts and prayers, most often meant with very sincere care and feelings. It is a go-to phrase, though, when we just don't know what else to say with all the heartache, the sickness, the death, the tragedies in daily life. On, we see on social media all the time people asking for prayers. We see it on the news. We hear and read what they type a lot on social media. And a lot of times, you'll be in my thoughts and prayers. If we just talk of thoughts and prayers by Carolyn Winfrey Gillette, Carolyn carries it much farther for us. Even though this was written in 2017, how appropriate for today. This morning I ask you all to join with me in this prayer. We will sing all four verses. You will know the very familiar English melody. And please remain seated and pray along with me.
the people said, Amen. stand for the reading of the gospel. Coming from the gospel of John, when the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. You also will testify because you have been with me from the beginning. I've told you these things to keep you from stumbling. They will ban you from the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering service to God. They will do these things because they haven't known the Father or me. But I have told you these things so that when their time comes, you may remember I told them to you. I didn't tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going away to him who sent me. And not one of you ask me, where are you going? Yet because I have spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor cannot come to you. If I go, I will send the counselor to you. And when the counselor comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me. And about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many things to tell you, but... You can't bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me, because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine, This is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. Words to open our minds. Thanks Thanks be be to God. I look around, I see Reverend Dr. Welton Gaddy and Reverend Dr. Daryl Cluck and there's Reverend Wyndham and Reverend Dr. D.H. Clark and, uh, and why am I up here on Trinity Sunday? <laughs> Thanks, Peggy. 
You know, it, uh, it is a difficult subject for many of us. I hope I don't step on toes. Please, if I do, do not email me. Do not send me ugly letters or messages. Just live with it, uh, think about it, and pray for me uh, if you disagree. <clears throat> In 1804, Thomas Jefferson had already drafted the Declaration of Independence. He had built Monticello and was nearly halfway through his presidency. But in that year, he decided to take on his most ambitious project of all. Thomas Jefferson, President Thomas Jefferson, decided to rewrite the New Testament. Well, not rewrite exactly. He didn't want to add anything. He just wanted to remove all the stuff that didn't make sense. There were inconsistencies implausible stories, and most of all, there was all this confusing stuff about God being Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, if you came from the old Southern Baptist Church, they scared us to death by saying Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, because all I, all I could think of was Casper, but at least he was a friendly ghost. For Jeff Jefferson, an Enlightenment era intellectual who was president not only of the United States but also of the American Philosophical Society. The Trinity just didn't make sense. How could one God exist in three persons? It was, he might have said, a simple matter of addition. You could be one thing or three things but not both at the same time. And this is not an uncommon response to the Christian worship of a triune God. The Trinity is illogical. It's unmathematical. So don't, why don't we just straighten it out once and for all? We could go back to the religious drawing board and proclaim ourselves absolute adherence to the singleness of God. Or we could throw away that towel and embrace the plurality of gods. Either way makes good sense. Aren't we just creating unnecessary confusion by sticking with this poorly constructed math problem? The problem here is that Christianity is not an equation it's, or a result that has proved to be true. Christianity is the uh, revelation that we find in, of God in Jesus the Christ. In the beginning, if you're reading John, was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word said, wait, wait, what? What do you mean the Word was with God and the Word was God? Which is it? But rather than clarifying this doozy of an introduction, John goes on to tell us that this very same word of God, the one who is both distinct from God and who is God, took flesh as a tiny helpless baby in the middle of nowhere Palestine. That God of the Son was also the loving friend of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. That the word of God himself died on a cross and in doing so, destroyed death itself.
And if all of that weren't complicated enough, we also have to wrestle with today's gospel in which Christ speaks of the Holy Spirit. This is the life breath of God, the active love of God. And yet Jesus doesn't call the Spirit it. As though speaking of an energy, an an activity or a force. Instead, Jesus says of the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. This is the same Spirit of God whom we see hovering over the waters of creation in Genesis. Transforming judges and prophets in the Old Testament. The Spirit who St. Paul tells us can be grieved by our actions who speaks in the hearts of his faithful people, teaching us to pray and coming alongside us as an advocate and a guide. No doctrine of the Trinity appears in the New Testament. Trinitarian words about God show up in Christian believers' correspondence with one another and in the liturgical materials used in Christian worship. But no developed doctrine of the Trinity can be found in the Bible. That came at least 200 years after the ministry of Jesus. Two of the earliest Trinitarian statements about God are found in today's scripture Mara read earlier. In his benediction at the conclusion of what we know as 2 Corinthians, Paul wrote, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Similarly, in his earlier correspondence with this same congregation, Paul wrote of varieties of gifts from the same Spirit, varieties of services from the same Lord and varieties of activities from the same God. Clearly, this early Christian theologian comfortably interchanged references to Christ and to the Spirit with comments about God. Well, what do we make of all of this? What do we make of the Father, the source of all that is, all that is spoken of, not as a theory about why there is something instead of nothing, but as a person who loves each of us infinitely, who grieves with us over our smallest worries, who numbers every hair on our heads. What do we make of the word of God who is not an inspiring message or an important set of instructions, but a person who gives himself to us in in his incarnation, and he gave his life for us on the cross. What do we make of the Holy Spirit, who's not like a Star Wars force or some fuzzy feeling, but a person who takes up his abode and lives in our hearts, and who offers to make our lives living signs of goodness and love? We are sometimes tempted to think of the Holy Trinity as a technical theology or the misguided math of a primitive age. But in fact, the belief in one God who is Father, Son, Holy Spirit is the living heart of the Bible's revelation of God. And yet what impact does the faith in the Trinity have on our lives? 
Well, I'm going to tell a story that, and it looks like I added it at the last minute because I had to find it when I got to church in one of Dr. Reverend Welton Gaddy's books. What impact does faith in the Trinity have on our lives? Dr. Gaddy wrote this. When I was ordained to the ministry in West Tennessee, tradition demanded that a candidate for ordination undergo an examination on doctoral integrity. The ordinating council designated a person to function as the examiner. I feared that it would happen and it did. My questioner asked me to explain the doctrine of the Trinity. <laughs> I wish I could have been a fly on the wall. <laughs> Thankfully, Walton writes, as I collected my thoughts or squirmed in a manner as if to indicate I actually had thoughts about the Trinity, a wise friend spoke up. It must have been a really good friend. Directing his comments to the examiner, my friend said, you know, I'm not sure any of us will really know if the explanation the candidate gives is correct or not. So, before he answers your question, would you first explain the Trinity <laughs> to give us an idea of what to consider? Welton writes, wiping the sweat off his brow, I'm sure. I didn't even have to discuss the Trinity, <laughs> much less attempt an explanation of the Trinity. Thank you for sharing that with us, Dr. Gaddy. Isn't it something that we can reflect upon one Sunday a year and then safely shut back in the catechism where it belongs, this thing called the Trinity? We often confuse knowing and knowing if I say to you like, do you, do you know Joe Biden? You, you know Joe Biden, right? You'll say, of course, he's the president. But if I then say, well, will you text him and let him know that I won't make it to the White House for dinner tonight? <laughs> You'll realize that I didn't mean do you know about him, but do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him? Are you pals? We sometimes imagine that the doctrine of the Trinity is useful for knowing about God, as though it were necessary to get the facts straight, but understanding the Trinity is not about holding the correct opinion on God's nature, instead, it is the starting place for knowing God. To believe in abstract forces, explanatory hypotheses, or good or bad math problems is to hold a set of opinions on the truth. But to come into relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, the Mother, the Father, the Comforter, whatever you need to call it, is to feel God praying in your heart to feel God pulling you up into a life of ever-increasing selflessness and true joy. This is to begin to build a real friendship. Be pals, 
with God. To know the love of Jesus, fully God and fully human, to see how much God incarnate cares for each of us, to feel the living word of God walking with us, helping us to transcend all that keeps us from living a life of love for God and neighbor. This is to begin to fall in love with God, to worship our heavenly Father, Spirit, Creator, Mother, Comforter, is to know that we can stand not as unimportant mortals, but as God's beloved children, as co-heirs of the heavenly kingdom. And the beloved creature to whom God gives all is possible for us to truly have a relationship with. The Eastern Orthodox Bishop Callistos Ware tells an old Eastern European story about a bishop of a large diocese who decided to visit every single one of his parishes. After spending years on horseback, he thought that he had seen them all when someone told him about this tiny little chapel on a remote island in the sea. Faithful to his mission, he chartered a boat and set out for this little tiny island. Upon landing, he found it to be desolate, very desolate spot, inhabited only by three old men. He greeted them and began to question these isolated Christians about the, their orthodoxy of their faith. Tell me, the bishop said, how do you pray? They replied, we simply stand holding hands like this. And the three old men clasped their hands together saying, you are three, we are three, have mercy upon us. What? said the bishop. This will never do. Don't you know the Lord's Prayer? No, said the hermits. Please teach us, O holy man of God. Well, the bishop spent all afternoon teaching the absent-minded old hermits the Lord's Prayer. And when they had finally gotten it, he said his goodbyes, returned to the boat, and headed back out to sea, puzzling over these odd old men and their island. Well, it grew dark as he walked around on the deck of his boat, looking out over the sea, when from far away he began to see a tiny point of light coming from the island he had just left. As it drew nearer, the light grew brighter and brighter until, until he could see that it was these three hermits holding hands, running around swiftly on top of the water, beards flying in the wind, their faces radiant with the light of Christ. The old holy man of God, holy man of God, said the hermits, we have forgotten the prayer you taught us. Please stay and teach it to us again so we may say it, so we can pray rightly. On second thought, said the bishop, I think that your prayer must be just fine. We are three. We are one. You know, the real benefit of talking about the Trinity 
is a better understanding of God that leads to a better relationship with God. The benediction with which Paul concluded his letter to the Corinthian Christians is the blessing we experience in a relationship with God, a blessing that influences all we say and all we do. Little wonder that what we know personally, we enthusiastically want to share liturgically and socially. Paul writes this, the grace of the Lord Jesus the Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all there. That's the truth of the Trinity. The promise that we can experience Almighty God, the Father, the Comforter, the Mother, the Creator, the Spirit, that we can experience this Almighty personally. That's the meaning of the Holy Trinity. Amen.
many times have we been right here together to share the broken bread 